This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. It's great to have you with us for the Monday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. It's Education Week. We'll kick that off in our next segment with a look at what a smaller college can offer. Right now, Elon Musk's appearance on Saturday Night Live still a hot topic, a key measure of inflation due later this week, and a cyber attack on a U.S. oil pipeline. A lot of challenges. Tom Hudson is here, the Week Ahead columnist for McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Uh, Tom, let's begin with, uh, you know, it's all the social media rage here, uh, Elon Musk on SNL. Yeah, who knew, you know, not only if you're an astute uh, long-term investor do you need to tune into the noon business hour Monday through Friday, but now apparently you have to watch Saturday Night Live on Saturday nights uh, to prep for uh, overnight trading. Yeah, you know, I mean, come on, right? Like, it's Elon Musk, uh, it's Dogecoin, it's the weekend update. Uh, There's a lot of emotion, fear, and greed to play when it comes to cryptocurrencies. The moves are very real for those folks that have real money on the line. But I think, you know, the pipeline uh, uh, hack is a bigger concern. And, of course, you know, really watching these inflation numbers, not just the numbers that are going to come out this month, but trying to dig inside these inflation numbers to see how the Federal Reserve is going to be looking at them to to kind of get a sense of, of their appetite for a general trend of higher prices over the next few months. Yeah, because they've said, okay, yeah, a little inflation is going to be fine, yet we really don't know until we see it and the implications of it until we find out whether they're really comfortable with it. Yeah, and there's the mathematical situation here, which we're likely to see beginning with the uh, producer price index figure uh, for the month of April and the consumer price index figure for the month of April that we'll see later on this week. That being that it's a 12-month year-over-year number that you're looking at in terms of the percentage increase or decrease of inflation. And listen, what was happening 13, 14 months ago with the pandemic taking hold, economic restrictions being put in place, and people just fearful and stuck at home those inflation numbers drop precipitously. So we're going to see those numbers move out of the year over year. So we're likely to see that mathematical pop in the number, whether or not that means true wholesale inflation, true consumer inflation, I think is going to remain to be seen over the next several months. The oil pipeline hack, uh, it's a a fascinating story. Again, big implications potentially, not only for what happens if this thing doesn't get running again soon, but also for future attacks and what they may look like. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cybersecurity uh, overall is a existential threat for investors and for the economy when it comes to this particular pipeline serving almost all of the East Coast for uh, for vehicle and aviation fuel. When you take a look at the, the hack risk of the nation's electrical grid, uh, these are, you know, black swan events writ large. 
that investors have a hard time, if not impossible, to prepare for. But you also have to acknowledge that's part of the risk when you've got capital on the line. It's not to excuse it all. This sounds like a crime, right? Yeah. Uh, an international crime at that. And clearly, it is all hands on deck when it comes to the federal government. We learned that on Sunday with uh, cybersecurity experts looking into this, because uh, despite years-long effort to wean ourselves off of fossil fuels, and that will continue for years to come, it is still a driving force of economic growth. Thanks so much, Tom Hudson. He's the Week Ahead columnist at McClatchy Tribune News Services, based in Miami. Just ahead, Education Week gets underway with a look at the small school experience. It's Education Week on the WBBM Noon Business Hour, sponsored by St. Xavier University. Let's get things started with a focus on small colleges. We welcome Stephen Scud, president of Lake Forest College, of course, in Lake Forest, Illinois. Steve, we always enjoy talking with you. Uh, Help people who, whether it's parents or students, who are going back and forth over large school versus small school, and they're kind of caught. They're not quite sure where. Help them to understand why a small school may be a good option. I'm happy to do so, Cisco, and thanks for the opportunity to talk again today. I'm, I'm pleased to say that we've received thousands of applications this year, and we'll have the largest student body next year in the college's history. And I think that's because a lot of students and their parents are recognizing the special opportunities that are available at a small college like Lake Forest that just aren't present at a much bigger place. So here on campus, small classes, starting with that, where students really get to know faculty well. Our classes average about 18 students per class. Students participate actively in student government. Uh, Men and women, student-athletes can participate, I mean actively participate, not just watch, in more than 20 varsity sports, including men's and women's lacrosse that we're starting this fall. And in theater, music, all the arts programs, um, robust programs here at the college with all the uh, access to Chicago arts community at the same time. So let me just, on Chicago, generally, I'll say we take advantage of the city all, all the time in all kinds of ways. So off-campus as well, the kinds of opportunities that we make available for students to have internships and experiences in the city are really just uh, possible for us in a way they aren't for a large university. And finally, Cisco, I'll just wrap this up by saying, you know, after graduation, our students get wonderful jobs. We have a a, a sky-high placement rate and uh, the largest career advancement center of professional career counselors of any small college in our area. Uh, they work directly, uh, this is just one final example, uh, in a joint program that we have with Rosalind Franklin University just nearby uh, with about 200 students in that program and looking forward to health professions careers um, going on to Rosalind Franklin from here to the School of Medicine, Pharmacy, uh, Physical Therapy. So we provide opportunities for students all across the board on campus and after graduation that I think are really just special and not, uh, not available. Uh, at a much larger place in the same way. You know, that placement rate, it's interesting to hear you talk about that because I think sometimes people feel like if they don't have the big university degree, it's going to be tougher to get a job, and it's just not necessarily the case. It's really just not the case at all. And as I said, you know, we've got um, really an award-winning career advancement center here on campus that works directly with our faculty to get students into internships in Chicago and beyond. Uh, And they move on, frankly, after graduation to multiple career opportunities uh, in areas across the board. So um, we're very proud of that. 
and career planning is really a, a part of our core values here at the college. You, you touched on sports. Um, is it, I, I guess, a little easier to participate in sports in a smaller school? If you know, if maybe you're an athlete like me, and not everyone's knocking down my door to have me play for them. <laughs> no, it it is, and more than a third of our student body is made up of uh, young women and men who are participating. And again, one or even more than one of the the twenty plus sports that we offer. And so, yes. This is a place where participation, um, active, skilled participation is the order of the day. And uh, we're very proud of uh, uh, our athletics record. Uh, we, we consistently win well more than half the contests we compete in. Well, it's always good to talk with you, and thank you so much for joining us. That is Stephen Scud. He is president of Lake Forest College here in Chicagoland, Lake Forest, Illinois. Later on in the show, 1239, we'll talk with the head of U of I about the larger school, kind of giving you both contrasts today. Up next, turning a shopping mall into a place to live. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A Chicago developer is conducting an ambitious experiment, building apartments on mall property in the west and north suburbs. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus business line, Albie Galoon, senior reporter at Cranes Chicago Business. Uh, Albie, I guess they're trying to do something to save these malls. Hi, Cisco. Yeah, that's right. Apartments are one option for mall developers or mall owners that have lost big department store tenants. And as you mentioned, uh, one of those malls is in the north suburbs uh, in uh, Vernon Hills, the Hawthorne Mall. They lost the Sears. And the owner of that property, a Dallas investor, has brought in a Chicago developer, Focus, to build more than 300 apartments there. They're doing a very similar thing out in Aurora at the Fox Valley Mall, uh, interestingly enough, on the side of a former closed Sears as well. So, you know, this is, uh, this is one way to, you know, bring in new energy to shopping malls, and they're hoping that, you know, the the apartments will support the retail and the retail will support the apartments. Yeah. Instead of completely gutting the mall, right. And getting rid of it. It's, uh, I guess the theory is, Hey, if we have 600 units between these two, if we have all these people and families here, maybe they come into the mall, what for, for dinner or for entertainment or that sort of thing. Yeah. The idea is to, um, well, for one thing, you want to diversify your revenue stream because retail is, you know, it's uh, brick and mortar retail. It's not really a growth industry anymore with the rise of e-commerce. So um, they've got to come up with an answer to that. And when you have people living in the mall, they're obviously going to support the retail and, and, you know, restaurants. Restaurants are a big part of uh, mall owners kind of future plans because those are e-commerce proof businesses for the most part. So the people who live there will support the restaurants. And then if you're an apartment developer, you will have, um, you know, you'll have uh, amenities there for people to use. You know, having restaurants and uh, especially a grocery store nearby makes it a more attractive place to live. And if you bring people who are living there, you know, 24 hours a day, it just kind of brings more energy to it. And there are a lot of other things that mall owners are experimenting with to just kind of energize shopping malls and, and actually kind of make them more kind of urban style gathering places. Yeah, when you go by these malls and you see huge empty parking lots, it doesn't make you want to go there to shop. No, it doesn't. And, you know, they've um, this is going to take time. You know, this is going to happen, you know, over the course of, of many years. And 
you know, these two projects are among the first in Chicago. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how well these apartments are received, how quickly they lease up. And, you know, if if these two projects are a success, you know, I think we can count on seeing more in the Chicago area and nationwide in the future. Thanks so much. Albie Galoon, always good to talk with you. Senior reporter at Crane's Chicago Business. Still ahead, Education Week continues with a focus on the University of Illinois system. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. There's an update on a ransomware attack targeting a major oil pipeline in the U.S. The Biden administration moves to prohibit discrimination in health care. In our Education Week segment, we shine a spotlight on the University of Illinois system. It's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a pair of suggestions. It's the Dow up 234. The NASDAQ is down. Down 201, and the S&P is down five points. Oil is flat today. Mostly sunny in Chicagoland. Most of the rain is out of here. We're heading to a high of 52. We're almost there right now. 49 at O'Hare, 47 degrees downtown. The operator of a major U.S. oil pipeline hit by a cyber attack says it hopes to have service mostly restored by the end of the week. Colonial Pipeline offered that update today after revealing it has halted operations because of a ransomware incident. More from correspondent Sagar Magani. Gasoline futures are ticking higher today, meaning the prices traders pay for contracts for delivery in the future. They typically rise this time of year as summer driving season approaches, but a one and a half percent jump today was the biggest movement in a week. The price drivers pay at the pump tends to follow. For now, the seesawing prices may be mostly felt within the energy industry, not at the pumps, as suppliers adjust to potential shifts in the gas flow. Sagar Magani, Washington. The Department of Health and Human Services is expanding protections against discrimination in health care to transgender individuals as well as those who identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual. The move undoes a Trump-era HHS regulation that carved out transgender people from protections against sex discrimination. Under the new rule, which also comports with a recent Supreme Court ruling on workplace discrimination, hospitals and health care providers won't be able to turn away transgender people who seek gender confirmation surgery or any other kind of treatment. Stephen Portnoy, CBS News, The White House. It's 1232. Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Hugh Johnson is here. Uh, talking about these mixed markets, really a kind of a contrast here. The Dow up 226, NASDAQ down 206, and the S&P basically flat today. Hugh is chairman and chief economist at Hugh Johnson Advisors. Hugh, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, you're absolutely right. It's very mixed, and it's very hard to figure out. And the broader market is doing just fine. The technology part of our markets, of course, and you certainly see that in the decline in NASDAQ, is doing very poorly. And I think really, quite frankly, the focus this week, last week we were focused on the employment report, this week we're focused on uh, inflation numbers. And we're going to get two inflation numbers this week, the consumer price index, the producer price index, and that will give us a little bit of an idea of the surge in inflation that most of us expect in the current quarter is going to play out. So it's inflation, and the worry is that inflation will lead to higher interest rates, and that's going to be a real problem for the technology sector of our economy. So you see the 
technology sector is declining and declining uh, fairly significantly. Talk about the challenge to a portfolio in a higher inflation environment. Just your portfolio's value. Well, you know, there's a couple of ways that you can sort of hedge against the rise in the rate of inflation, but certainly owning some commodities is one way to do it. But really owning the so-called economically sensitive sectors of the market, that includes the sort of commodity-driven sector such as materials, but it also includes things like consumer discretionary and industrials, particularly in industrials because we're talking about a significant increase in spending on infrastructure. So uh, I would say that you'll own the economically sensitive sectors of the market. Uh, you broaden out your performance if you broaden out the things that you own to those sectors. And I think they'll participate well in a, in a rising inflation. You know, inflation ordinarily is a part of a bull market. So rising inflation doesn't really worry me. You just got to make sure that you position your portfolio uh, to participate in in somewhat higher prices. Pricing power is going to be important. Talk generally about values in the tech sector and whether a pullback is, is really necessary or a good thing in that sector. Uh, valuation is a concern on an ongoing basis. And, you know, I'm not as concerned about valuation. I think the level of interest rates being what it is and the level of interest rates is low, and I think generally supportive of higher price earnings multiples, multiples around current levels. So I really don't have nearly the problem with valuation. The second thing which I'd mention about valuation is every day that we get concerned about valuation, we get companies that are reporting earnings that are well above estimates. 87% of the companies that are reported for first quarter earnings have reported earnings that have beaten estimates. So, yeah, you get concerned about valuation. You say these valuation levels are too high, but the next thing you know is companies are telling you, yeah, you might be concerned, but our earnings are much better than you expect, and our earnings going forward for the next three quarters are going to probably be better than you expect. So don't be too wrapped up and don't be too concerned about valuation. Valuation is a little bit stretched, but not so stretched that you should, you know, basically reduce your exposure to equities. Don't do that. It's way too early in this cycle to be doing that. So don't reduce the exposure to equities, but but do you maybe move the money around at all? Maybe move it to different sectors? Yeah, yeah you do move it around a little bit. And I think that's really the the issue. And as you move from the defensive sectors, the things that are so-called safe sectors that work well in bear markets, and that's utilities and healthcare, consumer staples, and you move it into those uh, economically sensitive, and again, uh, driven a little bit by inflation, such as materials and industrials. Those are two sectors that I think will do well. And the other thing I would say is don't forget that there's a thing called small capitalization stocks, and you can find pretty good value in small capitalization stocks. They tend to do very well at this stage of a bull market. So there are things you can do to sort of prop up your portfolio and have it reflect what's really going on. The most important thing, though, is to make sure you don't reduce, at least in my judgment, you don't reduce your exposure to equities because all the signals to me are that this bull market and this economic expansion has a long way to go. And when I say long way, 2022, 2023, easily.
Thanks so much, Hugh Johnson. He is chairman and chief economist at Hugh Johnson Advisors in Albany, New York. Just ahead, the University of Illinois system takes center stage as part of Education Week. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Education Week on the Noon Business Hour. In this segment, we are staying in-state and talking about the larger schools. Joining us on the McGrath-Lexus Business Line, Tim Colleen, president of the University University of Illinois system. Uh, Tim, always good to have you on the show. I, I do remember, I, I want to talk to you in general about the large school experience and, and what students get out of that. Uh, but I want to talk with you about sort of getting back to it, getting on campus, because right after the pandemic happened, we talked to you here on the show and you said we're going to be in campus in the fall. And and I'll be honest, I doubted you. And, and yet the U of I was able to pull it off. What, what has that been like? Well, we've been very successful this year. And, and right now, I just walked across the quad you see all of these uh, students graduating in their gowns we've we've had a successful um, academic year and we're going uh, next year into another great successful academic year and we've we've beaten covid down on our campuses as you probably know through a testing regimen that's unparalleled and uh, the, the case incidence is down to the zero and one kind of numbers for our 10,000 uh, tests a day that we do on average so We've been working very hard and, and successfully throughout the uh, academic year and uh, kept moving and uh, happy to say that our applications and our acceptances are up for next, um, next uh, fall. Uh, so we're pleased about that. So in the meantime, we've been doing our research and our scholarship and classes have been taught. Of course, we've done all of the protocols um, very seriously. I'm so proud of our students and our faculty. Yeah, it's been amazing to watch. It really has. Uh, let's talk. I mean, I want to talk to you about the big school experience, and yet I do have to mention the U of I system is both the large school and also a, a significantly smaller campus. Well, we've got three universities, and uh, there's a distinctive university to meet every student's interest. You know, large Big Ten experience at UIUC, Urban University in Chicago, and a small liberal arts university in Springfield. All told, we have 91,000 students, um, and it's the eighth straight year of growth in enrollments. Uh, I'm hoping that'll be nine years next time we speak, uh, this time next year. Um, so we've seen, we've seen strong growth in enrollment with four out of every five of our undergraduates coming from the state of Illinois. So we're giving back to our state um, through the development of fantastic human capital. Most of our students stay in the state, find jobs, and uh, contribute to society. So we want to do that, continue doing that with excellence, integrity, and that scale, the scale that, uh, that meets the needs of the moment. He is president of the University of Illinois System. That's Tim Colleen. Three campuses. They have the big one at Urbana-Champaign, 52,000 students. Also, the urban campus here in Chicago, UIC, and in Springfield, a smaller liberal arts school. That's the University of Illinois at Springfield. Just ahead, we have the Monday Stock Picker, this time tomorrow, Travel Tuesday. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Stock Picker Monday on the Noon Business Hour, sponsored by Wealth Management Group. Joining us this afternoon, Mike Larson, Senior Analyst at Weiss Ratings in Jupiter, Florida. Mike, it's good to have you back on the show. What's your first pick? Sure. Um, if you look at what's going on in terms of fiscal and monetary stimulus being thrown at this, this economy and these markets, it's really a- almost unprecedented. Uh, government 
between what's already been passed and what's been proposed, we're talking about $7 trillion, give or take, in terms of programs that, that, that are out there. So what I'm looking at in terms of a way to play that is a, a deep cyclical name we may all be familiar with called 3M, uh, MMM as a symbol. You know, Triple M makes everything from ACE bandages to scotch uh, electrical tape to post-it notes and so on. But they also have a deep all kinds of businesses that will tend to do well and scoop up some of the money being spent on stimulus. So I think uh, 3M is a great way to play that. It's got a decent yield, too. Um, you're talking about 2.9% or so in terms of a dividend. And really, just today, the stock is actually breaking out to a high that dates all the way back to early 2019. So uh, you have strong technical momentum. You have a lot of economic factors that are good for this name. And you have, also have a restructuring program that's been in place that should help to boost profit going forward. Yeah, not often that you get both an opportunity for growth and a decent dividend. Exactly. And again, 3M is one of those companies that has gone through a lot of restructuring, but coming out of this economic downturn as the vaccination process spreads, it's a great deep cyclical name that's going to benefit from a lot of that stimulus. And I think it still has more room to go from here. All right. So 3M is the first pick, uh, ticker symbol MMM. What's your second pick? Sure. The other name I like here a lot is Watsco, ticker symbol is WSO. Uh, this is a company based in Miami that is actually an HVAC, so heating, uh, ventilation, air conditioning distributor. So uh, you look at the housing market, what's going on right now, it's on fire. Um, homes hardly stay on the market at all before buyers sweep them up. Uh, um, Builders are going to have to be building a lot more homes to satiate and meet some of this demand. And this is a type of company that's going to be right there to, to scoop up the profits from that. Again, they have uh, very strong residential construction exposure. And they also have a decent commercial construction uh, HVAC business as well. The company is building more and so on. And a lot of companies are sold down to companies like Watt. But again, all right, that is Mike Larson joining us. Mike is senior analyst at WeissRatings.com. He's based in Jupiter, Florida. We have his two picks today, 3M, ticker symbol MMM, and also Wattsco, WSO is that ticker symbol. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.